Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we open our hearts to you and to your spirit, to your word, Lord. Feed us tonight by your spirit. Strengthen us. Let your word be like a rock for our foundation. That your word would penetrate us and cause us to be like you. We love you, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Rabba Sekababian Dene, Sistikababian. Poor Ramasa Stikababia Telemea, Maramasa Kudia Telebea, Prastikababian. Jesus. I've had something on my heart for the last couple of days. It's not my message tonight, but I just feel like I want to I want to touch bases with this just for a minute. I just feel so convinced in my spirit that there's so many people who are good people and go to church, but they've never they've never understood the truth about salvation. That somewhere along the line, they uh, they've come to believe that salvation is something you earn that you need to go to church, you need to be a good person, you need to be nice to others, you, you know, you, you, what, you need to be honest and upright, you have to have integrity. And, and they're, they're doing their best to live right. They want to please God, but they're going about it all wrong. You know, the, the Apostle Paul said in Romans about the Jewish people, he said seeking to... Seeking to... Uh, to establish their own righteousness, they, they, didn't, they didn't understand the righteousness of God. They, they, they figured that keeping the law was the way instead of by faith. And every, every religion, every religion that I know of, Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, it tells you this is what you need to do to please God. This is how you need to live in order to make it into nirvana or heaven or whatever they preach. This is, you need to be a good Muslim. You need to be a good Buddhist. You need to be a good Hindu. You need to be a good Jew. You need, you need, you need to do, 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 do. The burden is on you to make it. They, they've just never been told. You can, grow up, you can grow up in the Catholic Church and believe that. You can grow up in the Baptist Church, in the Methodist Church, in the Episcopal Church, in the Presbyterian Church, and believe that. And a lot of people, see, there's, we talked about a couple weeks ago about the broad road. 
they're on this broad road, and it, and there's a lot of a lot of good people on the broad road. They're really, but they're they're not going to make it to heaven. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I ought to preach this every single service, and maybe somebody's watching. Maybe someone online, someone will get a CD, or something will happen, and the light will go on, and they'll say, they'll understand that it's not it's not what they do that earns. You don't earn your way to heaven. There's three things. Oh, praise the Lord. Ephesians 2, the, the, the scripture that, that's so important is, is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, not, of, not, not, not all the works, not of works lest any man should boast. So there's, I figured there's, there's, first of all, we don't, there's nothing that we can do to earn our way to heaven. So it's not, it's not up to us. And it's not Jesus and us. It's not what Jesus did plus what we do. It's, but it's Jesus alone, him alone. His sacrifice alone is, is sufficient. Because it's by grace, it's not of works. And I just want to, if I could just open somebody's eyes, I feel like, because a lot, so many people... They want, they, want to, they want to be close to God. They believe in God. They believe in heaven. They're just going about it all wrong. And I just say, just listen, please listen. And God will open your eyes. In Romans chapter, let me, I just want to read a scripture in Romans chapter 4. And uh, In Romans chapter 4, let's listen to what Paul writes. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was, if he was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited or counted to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his wage is not credited as grace, but as, but, but as what is due. But the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So the Apostle Paul says, if there are works that we have to do, and we do them, and that's how we get to heaven, then what comes to us, it's, it's, owed, us, it's owed to us because we, we did what they told us to do. And it's not grace. But salvation is by grace, not by works. It's a gift. Something you didn't earn. It's it's a it's something somebody purchased for you. A gift is someone is somebody something that someone purchased for you, and Jesus purchased it for us. It's nothing we did. It's nothing we deserve. And the real key is in verse five. It says, "But the one who does not work but believes." You know, there's a, there's a, a two words that have that that became the real cornerstone of of the Protestant river. Uh, Reformation. It's sola fide, two Latin words. It means by faith alone. And actually, there's, there's a there's a five five sole s o l a i. There's five five alones in in the Protestant Reformation that were the cornerstone of what they were preaching, what they believed. And it's it's sola scriptura, by by scripture alone, 
Sola fide, by faith alone. Sola gratia, by grace alone. Sola Christus, in Christ alone. And sola deo Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. By scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. To God be the glory. Consider your ways. I just pray that somebody will, will just look at their life and say, am I trying to earn my way to heaven or am I depending on the sacrifice of Jesus? It's got to be the sacrifice. It's the only way to heaven. So I just wanted to, sh- I just felt like sharing that again today. I don't know how often I'll do it, but as often as I feel like the Lord prompts me, I'll, I want I just want to keep putting it out there, putting it out there, putting it out there for so people can understand that there's a, there is a way to heaven, but it's not our way, it's his way. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. <sighs> okay. Judges chapter 6. I want to spend a little time tonight looking at the life of Gideon. Judges is an interesting book. What happens in the book of Judges is that the Israelites get into idolatry and idol worship and they get, and they, and they get away from God and God allows an enemy to come in and oppress them. And after several years, they get so tired of it, they start crying out to God. And God listens to them. God loves them. God has compassion on them. He sends a, a, a deliverer. The deliverer delivers them from the enemy. They save. They, they walk with God for a while. Then the, the, the deliverer dies. And they go right back into the same thing again. Again and again and again and again. I'll just say this. That's why I'm convinced some of the things that are happening in our country today are happening because God has lifted his hand of protection over us because of, of what we are living in this nation. I, I'm convi- and I stand to be corrected when I get to heaven, but I'm convinced that 9-11 was the lifting of God's hand of protection over this nation because of, uh, because of the unrighteousness that's, per- that's permeated us, this society. We've walked, by a, to a large degree, we've walked away from God. And God, when that happens... God allows the enemy to come. Hopefully that will turn like the, like the people of Israel did, they, to turn and cry out to God. I don't think we've done that yet, but I'm concerned what might come, but we'll leave that in God's hands. Judges chapter 6, you find it? Amen. Gideon. Well, we'll start reading in verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves dens, which were in the mountains, and and the caves, and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. So they kill all their animals, and they'd, and they'd ruin all their, what they planted. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come like locusts for number. Both they and the camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
So here it is again. Turn from God. God lifts his hand. Enemy comes in. They get, they get real distraught and they start crying out to God. Sometimes, sometimes God allows some things to happen to turn us back to him. Not, not so much to punish him. Punish us. I guess there's punishment involved. But to turn our hearts. God wants to turn our hearts. So God calls Gideon to be the deliverer. In verse 11 it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that is in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon. And his son Gideon, as his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress, in order to save it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now listen, listen, to, listen to what Gideon says. To me, it's like he doesn't have a clue as to what's going on in, in the nation. Gideon says to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? He doesn't understand. It's the, it's the idol worship that's, that's caused this to happen. And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. It's all God's fault. We're not doing anything wrong. You know, I've heard that so many times. And the Lord looked at him and the angel just kind of, angel just kind of, uh, ignored what he said. The Lord looked at him and said, go in your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. When Gideon's called, first of all, he feels totally unqualified and unworthy. I'm least. My father's least. Our household's least. We're all least, least, least. But God, but God, one thing I see in Scripture, so often God calls people that are unqualified. And he does that so that we'll, we'll turn to him and depend totally on him because we know we can't do it in ourselves. So God very often chooses people that you might say in the natural are not qualified because we have to turn to him and depend on him for anointing, for strength, for wisdom to do in order to do what he's called us to do. It makes us rely on him totally. So what happens? He builds an altar. He brings a sacrifice to the angel. And the angel reaches out and with his staff touches the rock, the offerings, fire springs up from the rock, consumes, consumes the sacrifice. He gathers an army of 32,000 men. And he's still, he's still kind of not sure of this call that God has on his life. So he says, uh, Lord, I, I, just, I, need to, I, need to, I need some reassurance here. I want to I put out a fleece. I want to put a fleece out and I want the the ground to be dry, but I want the fleece to be wet. So he wakes up the next morning, the ground is bone dry, they squeeze the fleece, a whole bowl of water comes out. Okay, that settles it. No, no, he's still not sure. So God, I want to do this again. Yeah. You know, I feel like so many times Gideon is, excuse me, Gideon is so much like many of us. You know, God has to just speak to us and speak to us and speak to us and speak. Are we sure? Are we sure this is, speak to us. Are we sure? Is that you, God? Speak to us. Is that you, God? You know, we, 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 want, we want 11 confirmations. So here's Gideon. He said, don't get mad at me, God. I want to do this one more time. Okay, this time I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. 
So you wake up the next morning, the ground is soaking wet, the fleas is dry. Okay, that settles it. No, it doesn't watch. This is a good story. Can you relate to this? I can. So, so then, God, then God says, okay, you got too many men. I need to whittle you down a little bit. So he says, okay, everybody who's afraid, go home. Well, they got 32,000 men. So they say, anybody, how many are afraid? 22,000 people walk away. I mean, you know, I can, I can see this army, this whole bunch of guys, 32,000, that's a lot of men. And they're all standing there. And, he says, and Gideon says, anybody afraid, go home. And, and they're all, nobody wants to be the first one to step out, right? So they're kind of looking around, looking around. Finally, someone take, makes a break for it. And the whole, and, and two-thirds of them just bolt, you know, off they go. They're gone. So he says, they're down to, to 10,000 men. And uh, God says, still too many. Bring them, to, bring them down to the, to the river and have them drink. And everyone who laps, like a dog laps, Mark that one. Anyone who kneels to, to drink, send him home. So they send another 10,000 home. Anyway, they're, they're left with, you know the story, they're left with 300 men. So God did that to make sure that they don't, th they don't think they did it. They know that God did it. So they got 300 men. So now, now if I was gritty, I'd be real nervous. It's like they got, they got a multitude over here. And we started off, well, we started off maybe pretty good, but now we're down to 300 people. God, you're going to deliver us? How's this going to happen? So let's turn to Judges chapter, just flip to, flip to, to Judges chapter 7, and we'll, and we'll just continue reading. Judges chapter 7 uh, and verse 9. So they're down to 300 men. Now the same night it came about, that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down to the camp, the enemy camp, for I've given it into your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go with Piri, your servant, down to the camp, and you will hear what they say. And afterwards your excuse me, and afterwards your hands will be strengthened, so that you may know so that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Pura, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. He said, Behold, I've had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp, and, and the, into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell. It turned it upside down, so that the tent lay flat. His friend replied, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given Midian into the, all, the, all the camp into his hand. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given, us the, camp, has given the camp of Midian into your hands. So he finally is settled on the fact that this is going to work. That one last confirmation that God gave him. It's what he needed. Just because, see, when we, we get a word from God, Gideon had a word from God. We get a word from God, a prophecy or something. It doesn't mean it's always going to automatically come to pass. 
There are things we have to do, and we have to believe the word. We have to do what the word says to do. Remember the the Israelites had a promise from God, the ones that came out of Egypt. They had a promise from God, but they didn't make it into the promised land. Why? Because they, they would not believe God, and they wouldn't do what God said to do. So God said to Gideon, if you're still having a problem believing in me, arise, go to the camp. Sometimes God has to provoke our faith, give us a a confirmation, to, to stir us to really believe that what he said is true. See, a promise from God is a revelation of God's intention. It's God's plan. It's what he wants to do. It's what he plans to do. And at times, God will arrange certain circumstances to stir our faith so that we can begin to see that promise being fulfilled in our lives. God told Gideon he was going to be victorious. He was having a hard time believing it. But when he finally heard the enemy saying, it was confirmation of what he needed to make the promise certain. So no doubt was left. He knew he was going to win. So we won't possess the promises of God unless we can really see it on the inside. God God wants to paint... I don't know if I can say this right. Uh, God wants us to see internally, not see with our eyes so much, but see internally the promises that he's given us. God made us visual. For example, if I say zebra, most everybody in here doesn't think Z-E-B-R-A. They think an animal. They, they have a, when I say, you think of an, if I say steak, you don't say, you don't think S-T-E-A-K, you think of a piece of meat. We, 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 we picture people, we see things on the inside. Now, when I said zebra, how many saw a white animal with black stripes? How many saw a black animal with white stripes? Which is it? Look, I don't know, somebody can look it up later. I'm just, I'm just pulling your chain. Actually, I'm told it's white with black. Everyone's going to get their phone out now. I just might as well sit down for a few minutes while everyone gets their phones out and looks it up. What is this, black or white, white or black? But God wants to paint pictures on the inside of us, of his promise, so that we can see it on the inside. See, God... God gave Gideon a promise, but it didn't, initially it didn't provoke any real action. But once he got that confirmation, once that thing became really real on the inside, then he said, okay, let's do this. You know, let's go. So the first thing we need to be victorious is a promise. But the promise has to become a reality on the inside. So we don't see ourselves as losers. We don't see ourselves as alcoholics. We don't see ourselves as fearful. We see ourselves on the inside as victorious, as winning, as powerful, as as children of God. We don't see ourselves defeated and struggling. We see ourselves winning the battle. You know, we have to see that. When we see that on the inside, it makes us into a whole different person. See, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people are unrestrained. They, they have no direction, no purpose. They just kind of drift. We need to have the picture that God wants us to develop in our minds. It's not, not what we want, but what God wants. Picture, and, and this doesn't happen anymore, but I, was, I thought in the old days, pictures were developed in dark rooms. Remember, they'd take a negative and, on the, and they'd put it in the liquid and the red lights were on. And I was thinking, yeah, 
we need to, the pictures that God wants to have on the inside need, need to be developed in, in the dark room, alone with God in a prayer. In the, in, you know what Jesus said? Go into your inner room. Go into your inner room. Go into your inner room and pray. Pray in private. Pray and let God develop that picture on the inside of you of what he wants to do in your life. Pray and let God develop that picture on the inside of you of what his word says about healing, about, about walking in victory, about being victorious in your life. Let that, let whatever, whatever God wants to do in your life, get alone with God and let that, word, let that word become real. Let him paint pictures on the inside of you so that you can see. Once you see it, it's like, yeah, I got this in Jesus' name. It works. It takes, it takes work, but it works. Hallelujah. We need to have the picture that God wants in us. When God, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. When God was calling me out of the Air Force, I was, I was struggling. It's like I had a family, I had a mortgage, I had car payments. It's like, God, how am I going to live? I, you know, I got a wife, I got some kids. You, you, I feel like you call me out of the out of the air, out of the Air Force, but am I? Is this really you? And God used different people to speak into my life. There used to be an organization that came to Rome back in the 70s. It was called Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. I don't know if anybody remembers the FGBMFI. A few do, but not many. It's, it's kind of defunct. It's defunct, been defunct for a while. But what, what FGBMFI was, it was a, it was a evangelistic organization. They'd, they'd hold a dinner every month, and they'd invite a, a, a well-known speaker and, they, and what they wanted people, they wanted saved people to bring an unsaved friend, buy him dinner, pay for his dinner, and bring him to this meeting and listen to this testimony. It's not a, it's not a preacher. It's some, some, some uh, unpreacher guy, whatever that is. A layman. Hey, thank you. Just some ordinary, some ordinary guy. And... Uh, so he'd give his testimony, and then, after, and then he'd have an altar call, and people would get saved. It really worked. We'd, we would meet at the beaches, and we, and, we, and we never had less than 125 people there. And one, one night, one meeting they had, Johnny Johnson, who was the, associate, the assistant secretary of the Navy for President, maybe Reagan at the time or something, I'm not sure. But uh, we had over 300 people at the beaches. A bunch of people got saved. It, it, was, it was a good organization, it really was. So what do I say in all this? I have no idea. <laughs> My testimony, praise the Lord. I'm back on track. So after a while, they had a, the, the meetings kind of got smaller and smaller. And we were, we were meeting in the old Barringer School on Liberty Street. And this time they had a, they had a preacher, uh, a pastor who came. His name was Father Gary Howard. He was an Episcopal priest from up in Speculator or somewhere up there. And he was charismatic. He was born again, spirit-filled. He gave his testimony. But I'm telling you, I, I sat in that meeting. And the whole time he was talking, I swear he was staring right at me. Just staring right at me. And this presence was all over me. I, I was blushing. I felt embarrassed. I felt like everybody was staring at me. I'm sure they weren't, but that's the way I felt. I felt like the whole meeting was focused on me, and I was very embarrassed. I remember I was flush. I was embarrassed, but I knew that. And he said, "And God has called a man to this city." He pointed. And he was like he pointed right at me. He said, "God has called a man to this city," and I knew that God was. I just felt like God was talking to me. I almost couldn't believe it. And then we met Peter Puglio. and Peter was holding services in Rome, once a month at the Episcopal Church in their in their church hall. 
and they had maybe, what, 30 people coming, 30, 40 people coming. And people wanted to know if Peter was going to start a church. We, we, there, was, there wasn't a real good church in Rome at the time that we thought. So we wanted to know if Peter was going to start a church. So someone, I don't know where they picked us, they said, you know, invite Peter over to your house, you know, feed him some dinner and pick his brain, see if he's going to start a church. So we had him over, and uh, during dinner, we, we asked him about it. He said, no, he wasn't going to start a church, but he felt like God had called him to train up some men in the ministry. And when he said that, I thought, wow, that'd be so neat to be in the ministry, to just be studying the word and preaching. I, th I thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. A well, little admission there. I, but it sounded fun anyway. So, so, so we kept going to his meetings, and every, every time we go to his meetings, like this, this presence would come on me, this weight. I don't know if you ever had that weight from God just come, just gets on, it's just like a press on you. And, and God was saying, ask him. Ask him. What God was saying was, ask him if you're one of the ones he's supposed to train in the ministry. And I, I, I just went on for about two or three months. Finally, I thought, I'm going to go ask him just to get this thing off me. I can't stand this anymore. So after the meeting, I went up to him. I said, I said, Peter, Remember when you came to my house and you talked about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, am I one of them? And I, and I just waited for him to start laughing. He looked at me and he said, Ned, God keeps giving me your name. I said, God, who is this guy? I don't even know him. That was the final confirmation. God was saying, I've called you. I said, what do I do? He says, well, pray and do what God says to do. So I prayed and God says, get out. Well, God will confirm it to you. He will. He'll confirm his word to you. He'll paint, paint, he'll paint something on the inside of you that confirms what he wants to do with your life. See, that, that's, that's, why, that's why the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we have to cast down imaginations, the wrong pictures. Cast down imaginations, every high thing that, what, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's the wrong picture. God doesn't want you to have that picture. God wants you to have his picture on the inside. His, his plan, his purpose for your life. And the, devil, the devil's fighting. The devil will speak to your mind. He'll, put, he'll, he'll want to put fear in you. He'll want to put doubt. He'll want to unbelieve. He'll want to do everything to try to, ruin, to try to ruin that canvas that God wants to paint on the inside of us. But it, it'll happen if we, if we stay strong. See, the, the Israelites... When they went in to spy out the land and they came back, they couldn't get that image out. They couldn't get that negative image. The, the walls, big and strong. The people, big and strong. Everything, everything looks bad. Everything looks wrong. They couldn't get that picture out of them. God spoke to Abraham about giving him a son and multiplying him. He said, he gave me a picture. He said, Abraham, every time you go outside and you look at the sand or the sea, I'm going to give you... Descendants as many as the sand of the sea. Every time you see the sand, think of what I'm think of what I said to you. Every time you go out at night and see the stars, count the stars. Think of what I said to you. Pick that, you paint that picture on the inside. The woman with the issue of blood had that picture. If I could just touch his hem, I just I could see myself, I could just see myself touching his hem and being healed. She had that picture on the inside of her. She acted on it and came to pass. See, God God wants us to have the right pictures on the inside. When Jesus called Peter, remember, Peter was fishing. He, the Bible says he'd been fishing all night. He caught nothing. He's 
cleaning his nets. Jesus comes by and says, can I use your boat for a minute? So he says, sure. So he teaches the people, and after he's done teaching, he says to Peter, put out in the deep, let down your nets for a catch. So he lets down his nets, and the Bible says the, the nets were so full of fish, they began to break. And they loaded the boats up, and the boats began to sink. There were so many fish. God says, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men, and you're going, to, you're going to catch fish like that. It's going to be so many you can't stand it. That's a, see, he wanted that picture in his mind. of the, I remember that night, we caught so many fish. God says, that's, that's how we're going to catch men. Not just a few, we're going to catch a bunch. He wanted that picture. See, God wants to paint pictures on the inside. So he said, yeah, I got this. I, get, I understand what God wants to do. When we, when we get a promise of God that becomes a picture, that, that, that'll, that will propel us into what God wants. Let me ask you something. What would you do if you won the lottery? Can you picture yourself winning the lottery? Picture yourself having maybe a new car, some nicer a new house. I mean, you know, just close your, close your eyes for a second. Say, what if I won the lottery? What would I do? Oh, if I'd, be, I'd be smiling. I know that. For starters, things might be different in my life. Maybe a, a little different at least. People, people can dream, you know. God wants us to dream his dreams. The dreams that he has for us. Can you, what's, what's your future? Can you picture yourself in heaven? That's where we're all going. So let the devil say, devil, take your best shot. I, I've, I, know where I'm, I know where I'm headed. It's going to be good when it's all over. So I just want to encourage you tonight. Whatever it is God has for your life, take the promises of God. Promises for, for forgiveness, the promises for deliverance, the promises for provision, the promises for healing, the promises for, the, for wisdom, the promises for direction, all the promises of God. Get, get in your dark room. Let God paint a picture of you. Let God take that word and paint pictures on the inside of you so you can see and say, yes, God, that's you. I believe it. I know it's, I've got it. I got it in Jesus' name. I can see it on the inside. I feel, you know, if you can see it, you can have it. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Father, I pray that your promises will become so real to us that nothing, nothing we see, nothing we hear, nothing we know, no amount of time will shake it from us. I think of your word becoming real to us. Paint pictures on the inside of us, O oh God, that will cause us to be strong, victorious people of God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's Word and that you be filled with His love and strength as you daily serve Him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at Rome Christian Center dot com.